Welcome in to episode 29 of This Is Not a Rebuild, uh, where to quote the great American poet Rob Schneider, oh no, we suck again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, we don't suck. We slumping. It's not good. It's uh, it's a humongous, I mean, it's not just the losses, because the losses, you know, one way to look at it, there are a lot of ways to look at it. You know, you can parse 30 baseball games a ton of different ways. One of the ways to do it is they gave themselves room, right? They gave themselves cushion for this kind of a rough stretch by starting strong. But another way to look at it is you had that strong start, and this was a chance to really capitalize it on it because you were going on the road against basically the Marlins and the Expos. That's what the current Nationals are. Um, and you've completely blown that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so it's a frustrating moment. Anyway, this is episode 29. There are only three of us here tonight. It's me, Matt Trueblood. I've got Todd Trueblood. That is me. And Tom Nurse here. Peace and love. And surely, listeners, by the time you hear this, it will be Tom's birthday. So. Hey. Um, Yes. Stream happy birthday Epis- at your phones and other podcast listening devices. Episode 29, which is the Tom Nurse episode, because <laughs> tomorrow is Tom's birthday and he's 29 years old. Yeah. 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 God, almost 30. Ooh, that's, that's going to be rough when I hit 30. That's the number we're sticking to because the real number is a, an interesting one, but it's <laughs> a little too interesting. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's right. It's a, it's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Just but, 40 years from 100. We don't have to make it that easy for people to steal your identity, Tom. Um, anyway. Uh, so real quick, real quick. It's also, uh, we would maybe consider this either the Jeff Smarja episode, mm-hmm. who wore number 29 for a number of years, or more fun for at least me, Doug Desenzo. Oh, uh, little Doug Desenzo. Little Dougie. Uh, word for five years but to me one of the most interesting i just stumbled upon this in 1970 two people wore number 29 brock davis and tommy davis and i would bet money that that's because wrigley was so cheap he said make that guy that new guy wear (laughs) 29 so we don't have to change the name on the back wow Couldn't put it past them for sure. Save forty five dollars that way. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, no kidding. That's you know money in your pocket. <laughs> Fred McGriff wore twenty nine for the Cubs, right? He did. Yep, two years. Um, it's it's not an overly popular number. There's and no one currently wearing it. For some reason, one extremely random Cub, so random I wouldn't even throw him at you guys, who sticks in my head a lot, is Jeff Hewson. I. Uh, mm-hmm who is just this extremely forgettable uh, like (laughs) bench bat utility guy for, I think, one year. It might have been 2002 um, or even earlier because I think it was before. Go ahead. It was 2000, actually. Yeah. It was before McGriff was there to to wear 29, so it had to be 2000. 
Anyway, um, Jeff Houston is the person that I associate the Cubs number 29 with because I've got a brain disease. Apparently. Um, <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, 29 Samarjas. It's always, it's weird how easily he seems to slide out of our memories. Because yeah. um, for a couple years there, he was the whole team. Like it was, sure, Rizzo was there, but he was struggling. Castro, you know, the shine had already come off of that. And you were waiting on all the prospects that were slowly gathering. But Samarja was the dude for two, three, I guess, two and a half years, basically, in the rotation. Yeah, well, um, he's uh, he wore number 29 for parts or at least parts of seven seasons. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, he was there a while. And yeah, well, he was the big dog. Maybe that was less than exciting that he was the big dog. Yeah. Might have said something about those teams. I mean, he yeah. was a really good pitcher, though. He had he had a couple of great years and could have been, or I don't know if he could have been even better, but just it took a while for him to find it. Um, he actually came up as a reliever. Remember, he, he went True, to school. Yeah. He was he was a NFL prospect as a receiver. And so when they got him, they were kind of trying to fast track him to the majors. So he didn't decide to go play football instead. Um made him into a reliever, and then a couple years in, he ended up moving to the rotation thanks to an adjustment. He was kind of the first big success story of Chris Basio. Um, got a, a timing in when he would break his hands in his delivery that got his command locked in right, and it all flowed from there. He came um, over for who? He came over from Tampa Bay, did he not? Basio? No, uh, Samarja. No, he was a draftee. Uh, oh, yeah, he draft, oh, okay. drafted by the Cubs. Okay, went went yeah. to the Giants, didn't he? From there, from the Cubs, A's maybe the A's. It was the, the Addison okay. Russell trade. Um, oh, oh Samarja and Jason Hamill for Addison Russell, and Billy McKinney, and uh, guy whose name is going to continue to escape me at the moment. Jeff uh, Houston. <laughs> no. <laughs> That name will never escape me. That's the problem. <laughs> so you mentioned receivers. So now I have to read this because I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Ian Rappaport, who does something, um, tweeted, sources, the Jets have parted ways with head coach Robert Sala. Uh, they're expected to name former Packers wideout Jake Kumro as their new wow. head coach later today. Because <laughs> all the receivers from the Packers are going to the Jets because yeah. they're afraid that they can't catch anything from anyone else but a Rod Hole. It's uh, it is a rich font of humor that trade still now, um, but anyway, so twenty nine. It's a fine number. No one's wearing it on the team right now. Maybe that's the problem. We got to get someone. Maybe that's the number Matt Mervis should wear. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. You said it yeah. the other day, Matt. the The bottom half of the lineup is is lackluster. Boy, I mean, the first four guys are doing great. They're averaging about three hundred. They're walking. Uh, there'll be more power, hopefully. Uh, you know, uh, Bell- Bellinger's doing okay, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it starts dropping off pretty quickly around Man, six. And so. so, however you arrange, and I think uh, I don't love that Rossi started switching. It, it was going Horner, Swanson, Hap, Suzuki, Bellinger. 
the last yeah, couple of games right. had it Bellinger Suzuki. I don't love that because Ian Happ is basically a left-handed hitter right now. Like he he's got nothing as a righty. Um so managers are wanting to turn him around anyway and bring a lefty in the game. I don't know why you would want to give him a nice little window where you've got Hap and then you just keep that same lefty in. Exactly. Case. Yeah. Yeah. But it I, it hasn't really bitten them yet, so I, I won't worry about it too much. There might be, he might be thinking, thinking of that in a way that I'm not anticipating. But no matter how you line up those first five, the top three who have been locked in and then Suzuki and Bellinger all looking really good. And yeah, I, I want to see more power from especially Swanson and Suzuki. But like in the first game of this series, the only win of the road trip so far, uh, the first inning, Suzuki has a runner on second and two outs, I think already. Yeah, it was two outs. And just a phenomenal at bat and then gets on top of a 97 and a half mile an hour fastball at the letters and not just gets a hit on it, but it's not a ground ball and there's no loft on it. It had no chance to be anything but a line drive RBI single. We haven't seen a guy who can handle that pitch and still cover the breaking ball low. Since who? On a consistent basis in a long time. Right. Um, so I am, I'm loving him. I think things are going to click in for him pretty soon. He didn't even have a spring training, but even so he's been impressing the heck out of me. So yeah, all those guys are great and it can still be spoiled by the bottom of the lineups bad. And the bullpen is shaky. Maybe that's the best word, right? Like they're not actually bad, but I think we knew they weren't as good as their like surface level numbers were a week or two ago. And now the comeuppance is all coming at the wrong time because the offense isn't scoring. It gets to be close late in the game, and then the bullpen gives it away. It's a miserable way to lose games, and they've lost five of them, five out of six on this trip. It's it's not it's not working. And yeah, uh, which which we could we could be okay with if the trip was the Dodgers and the and the Padres, but exactly. losing these guys, I mean, they're just not that great. Yeah, they're they're not, and they. Tonight, Eric Hosmer, two strikeouts, grounded into one double play, and then comes up in the ninth, runners on first and second, nobody out, and bunts, and bunts it so hard that they almost turn a double play on it. Yeah. They got the Mm. out at second, keeping the double play in order, even though he beat out the back half of what would have been the double play. And so then the next batter, Wisdom, bounces into the game-ending double play. First pitch. That's terrible. It's rough. First of all, the fact that whether he was instructed to bunt or that was Hosmer, and it kind of looked to me like it was Hosmer doing it, which, A, that means his confidence is shot. And I don't care, you know, proven veteran making on a nine-figure contract. It's been a champion. It's been a World Baseball Classic champion. I don't care. It's clear his confidence is shaken if he's laying down that bunt himself. If he's not, Ross, you can't send a guy up there that you know is not a good bunter because he's a first baseman whose job is to hit. You can't send that guy up there with so little confidence in him that you're instructing him to bunt. 
So one way or another, somebody made the wrong decision and then the execution was miserable too. The problem is there wasn't necessarily a better alternative on the bench. I mean, look, I know a lot of people will say anybody is better and that might even be right, but they weren't going to pinch hit Edwin Rios for Eric Hosmer in that situation, right? The way that you avoid getting into that situation at all is if Matt Mervis is the guy on the roster instead of Eric Hosmer all along, and he's the one who's in the lineup. So when that moment comes up, you're not tempted to lay down a bunt or pinch hit. You send the guy up there and you feel halfway decent that he might pay, you know, cash in on the rally that Suzuki and Mancini had started. Ugh, it is, it's ugly. Do you think that if the Cubs have a bad May, a middling May, or a good May, what, um, how will that affect whether they bring the uh, one or two of the kids up who are just knocking the cover <laughs> off the ball? I, I, as listeners have probably picked up on this by now, um, Tom of the four of us spends the least time attached to any form of social media. Really, it's a tie between Tom and dad. <laughs> uh, but uh, the the theory of the thing that you just described, the yeah. idea that they might wait a month before making this decision, no matter how things are going, the internet will be burning by then, Tom. <laughs> it's, I, you, you're hearing me express some, some frustration. I'm like, the last guy in line there are people screaming uh <laughs> to already have mervis and morell up on the roster and oh, I, morell, I, yeah yeah i i think they're right too i'm not i'm not necessarily disparaging the take it's just uh there's a lot of screaming into the void happening um so i don't even want to envision the scenario in which it takes another month for this to all resolve itself somehow. I think, well, I mean, there, we're already, like you said, we've lost five out of six out of the last six and two teams who are, we should not have lost five out of six. No. Uh, so yeah. um, it seems like these people that should be making decisions, which is Ross and uh, whatever that guy's name is, Judd or <laughs> Jeff or whatever it is. Um, they should be saying, "Well, okay, let's let's make a move. We got to do something. We got to get these guys uh, on track or off track or whatever the guy, baseball guys say all the time. Um, untracked, whatever it is, um, and and make a move. And and you know, I would think that uh, you know, Mervis and Morrell are, are one or both are good moves to make." Yeah. But what I, what do you do with, with Hosmer then? I mean just, uh, trade him for a bucket of balls? You can't trade him for anything. Nothing. Um yeah. you could very easily just say thanks, it's thanks. been great, yeah. I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's been, it hasn't been that yeah. great, but it's, anyway, yeah. You're not on the hook for any of his money. The Cubs are paying a prorated share of the league minimum to Eric Hosmer the whole time wow. he's on. Wow. Because the Padres and a little bit the Red Sox who did make a trade with the Padres that involved his contract last summer, those teams are paying his salary. Cubs aren't. So there's so no... Then, I hate I hate hearing stuff like that because it, then it makes me think it's a money decision. We'll keep him on the roster because we're not paying him anything if we bring those other guys I up. Mean, 
and we'd you'd get, be paying you know, blah 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 blah. You'd be paying Mervis the exact same thing though, the the league minimum. So yeah. it's not it's not directly money. It's it's weird. There are a lot of different explanations that are floating around. Stuff we've talked about already about uh not tonight but in previous episodes about the leadership aspect and the stuff he brings to the clubhouse or whatever. Mm. But I one thing about we talked about this just last week. One thing about Hosmer is he brings maybe an element of intensity and accountability, which is good to have, but not in short supply on this team already. Saya and Swanson and Hap and Horner are going to hold each other and the rest of those guys accountable. They are extremely focused, demanding of themselves. That's contagious and it, it goes on to others. They don't need like a, you know, they don't need that guy who fires them up and keeps them in line. And even if they did, that guy is probably Jan Gomes and not Eric Hosmer. Mm -hmm. So I think the best thing to do would be to send him packing. Yeah. The more realistic thing to do is option Edwin Rios, who never seems to see the field anyway. Because uh, he still has options. You can send him to the minors without losing anybody from the organization, call up Mervis, and then you just start benching Hosmer. The problem is, as long as Hosmer's there, the temptation to play him might be too strong for David Ross. We've seen that with J with Jason Hayward the last three years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, I think that's the tricky part is like, and it might even be exactly what the front office is wrestling with. I know they wanted to move on from Hayward sooner, maybe even in 2021, but especially last year than they were able to because of the loyalty. And it's, you know, it's a, a good human trait, the kind of shared bond between Hayward and Ross, except it was not working in the, you know, in the context of trying to compete or even build toward, you know, uh, contention so the front office wanted to move on from Hayward sooner than they were able to because Ross just kept writing him in the lineup so I think they're without just cutting ties and sending Hosmer packing I think they're worried about if we call up Mervis but keep Hosmer around are we just going to see a whole bunch of lineups that <laughs> you guys uh, this year is the 20th anniversary of the book Moneyball but do you guys remember the movie Moneyball? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yep. Where Billy just can't get Art Howe to put Carlos right. Pena in the lineup. Yeah. Or not Carlos Pena, put Hatterberg in the Hatterberg, the expensive yeah. Carlos Pena. I don't think you're going to play him. No, yeah. I'm playing him. I don't <laughs> think you're going <laughs> to. The, uh, I, I really think it's, you know, the, the relationship there is not nearly as adversarial. Uh, but, I, I think it's a little bit of a problem where, like, if both Hosmer and Mervis are around, even if, as Hosmer and Mervis and Mancini, too often Mervis might be the guy left out, and it's just going to drive everyone nuts and slow the information gathering slash development process of Mervis that is really important to the Cubs at this point. So that might be what they're trying to figure out there. With Morel, it's more like, where are the consistent at-bats for him? 
and if if you know he's got like a 1300 ops in iowa so if he's actually that good a hitter um and they think they've got some stuff fixed with him then call him up and move literally anyone out of the lineup because he'd be the best hitter in your lineup but i don't think anybody thinks he's actually that good um so it's like we'd love to have your energy you know you can do a lot of things but no one thing defensively consistently well enough to just take over that position. Yeah, but he's he's, he's got vers fit. he's got uh, some versatility that he could he could play. Yeah, how, how many places? I mean, what is he's got at least five five uh, uh, mitts positions that he can yeah that he could you know he can play any of the outfield positions plus third and second and I don't know what else. Um, Emergency shortstop, even yeah yeah. Um, so he should be able to get at bats by just really, resting other people, if nothing else. Again, to acknowledge what will be has been said many times and will continue to be said until something happens on Cubs Twitter. Uh, Madrigal is just taking up the same, you know, a smaller version of the same role Morel could be filling and not doing any of it as well. So right, sure. and without the versatility, we're not going to put him in center. We're not going to put him anywhere in the outfield. Right. And Madrigal also has minor league options. I don't think at this point they want to use him because I don't think they feel like they can learn that much about him by sending him to Iowa and having him hit AAA pitching. Same yeah. same is true of Edwin Rios. Uh, but man, now those few games you gained above the water level of 500 just got wiped away on you. Yep. You're starting from scratch. And I mean, the Cardinals still suck. And we can celebrate that for a minute here. We do have time for that um, even on tonight's shorter episode. But only a minute because I really was hoping to do like 15 that or 20. Is, that's all we can spare because it, it really is like I don't want to get overindulgent either. There's one week from now they come to Wrigley. And at that point, or even less than that, it's like the series after this. Right. Um, series after next. So when that happens, man, you got to be ready to put your foot on their throat and say, this is one team we're checking off yeah, it's the NL central right. leaderboard and the fight for wild card spots. And the, you can actually do that to them this early in the season. That's so cool. Yeah. That never no happens kidding. to the Cardinals. Do it. Yes. But you're not going to do it with Nick Madrigal and Edwin Rios. So, or at least it doesn't feel like you're, you know, yeah, bring up the boys. I think now is the time to push that gas pedal to the floor. And uh, I, hopefully they're feeling the same way because it's, this is, is it every, is it true that every loss on this road trip has been a one-run game? Was last night one run? Mm -hmm. Last night was? What was that? I, I think last night got away from him. I think that was a 4-1 game or something. Yeah, they lost 4-1. to one Yeah, yeah. So that's not the same. But the other four have all been one-run losses. Yeah, Those margins are so thin. Right. And, and, Saturday, and it's when they needed a spot based. starter, and they called up Caleb Killian, who clearly is not a big league caliber starter, like, you're just, you're telegraphing to us all that you still really don't believe in this team. And yeah. whatever. I mean, the three of us and DJ sat here, you know, on the eve of the season and predicted anywhere from like 
84 to 82 wins, right? So we didn't believe in this team that much either. But I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, now that it's happening, I want to see them actually try. I, I thought they would try and still end up sort of middling. It's frustrating that there have been these flashes like Nico being awesome. Right. And Cody yeah. Bellinger being better than we could have imagined. And no just kidding. Steel. And, oh, and to have all of that happening and still they're only 500 after 30 games and the front office is acting like it's all smoke and mirrors anyway. It's super frustrating. Like, no, they, they proved to you what little they could prove to you over this stretch of games. You're supposed to respond to that by giving them a boost. You know, it goes well, back. One thing I can say about the Cardinals is that, oh wait, I'm sorry. The much hated Cardinals <laughs> is that, catch. um, they it doesn't matter i mean i it, i don't you know it's great if we if they come in next week and and the cubs can shut them down a little bit that's great it's all wonderful but i still want to stomp on their graves and and make them so sad that their girlfriends break up with them uh today because <laughs> every chance you get to squash cardinal dreams much hated cardinal dreams is a chance that you must take mm. so if and any much hated Cardinal fans that are out there listening, and Matt said we occasionally have one. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to have one, but if we still had one up till now, we're not going to after this. Uh, one thing I can well, say, whoever it is, I, you know, I, I'm hope your girlfriend is not happy with you now. <laughs> one thing I can say about the much hated Cardinals is that they just blew a ninth inning lead against the angels oh my gosh i was just checking that <laughs> yeah. score oh <laughs> lose mike trout hit a go-ahead homer and then wow. uh shohei was part of a uh sequence that gave them an insurance run too so the angels are that's because those two guys are better than everybody else in the cardinals organization and well in, <laughs> in fairness they're also better than everybody else in the cubs organization hey, and every other organization. basically yeah yeah all, all wonderful that's imagine good. okay we're frustrated with 15 and 15 one of the problems with this team is that it doesn't really have a true superstar imagine having literally yeah, the two yeah. best baseball players on earth yeah. And being 17 and 14. And this is the best they've been in quite a while. I yeah. just, that's got to be inexplicable. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Cardinals are about to lose again, which they just lost 10 and go. 21. What's that There's about? 315 winning percentage. And the Pirates are coming back down to earth now, which we knew that one would happen. I was never worried that that was just going to continue unabated. Um, the Brewers are losing in Colorado right now. So but, maybe maybe this is just everybody has a little lull and the Cubs will come back from it a, sure. a little bit as well. And we, talked we can about hope this, that. What did we, was it last week or maybe even the week before? We talked about this year's NL Central being a lot like, you know, the 03, the 07, when the Cubs won the division with 88 and 85 and 87 wins, stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's not not going to be like 2015 or anything. You don't have to go win 95 games just to be in the conversation. Great. Cool. Also, you know, right now they're on pace for 81 wins. That's not going to do anything for you. So I don't know. Yes, but they, let somebody quickly do the, uh, what the 
much hated Cardinals are on pace to win because I'm I'm gonna laugh again. It's about uh, fifty, about fifty wins. Oh my God! They were three thirty-three until they lost, so that would be fifty-four wins. So about oh fifty-two my. wins. Gosh, that would yeah. be nice. In my oh. in my sentient lifetime, I mean, since at least since the strike, and I think even a year or two before that, Cardinals have one losing season, and they went seventy-eight and eighty-four that year. Is that right? Yeah, in, it's in, uh. It's not just that they are never this bad. They're never bad at all. And suddenly they're quite bad. And that's this humongous gift. And you got to seize it. And you got to seize on the fact that like the Brewers are stumbling after a blistering hot start. Now they're kind of scuffling. And, you know, Brandon Woodruff's probably out until close to the all-star break. You got an opportunity here. Yep. Um, Now it doesn't mean, you know, like, I don't want to put too much pressure on it either. They could call up Mervis and Morel. Yeah, yeah. Those guys could just struggle. Yep. Um, there's a reason why we weren't livid when Mervis didn't make the opening day roster, why we, again, picked this team to win like 80 games before the season and not 90 or 95. Um, some of this is just what this team really is. I just want to see them start figuring out stuff that works. Um the bullpen, the bullpen implosions over the course of this road trip have been annoying, but also, like I said at the top, you can't call them necessarily unexpected. Keegan Thompson hasn't been missing bats all year. Um, Adbert Alzali, like he seems to rack up strikeouts in these little runs. And then even within an outing, he can go from hot to cold really fast. Yeah. Which Uh, to me, that is, if if people are looking at stats, oh look, Albert Adbert, whatever his name is, um, he's got strikeout after strikeout after strikeout, and if he's not striking somebody out, they're hitting a two run double. Yeah, so uh, that's a little uh, misleading, right? And misleading is the right word. It's like other than Mark Leiter, who's been pretty legit, although there's some smoke and mirrors there too, but other than him even when guys have been having success in the bullpen this year, it's felt like, okay, but the wheels could come off of this at any time. And we're a month in and I don't feel confident about any of like the roles, you know, if they have a league going into the ninth inning, I don't know who's going to come in. It feels like a roll of the dice every night, which I'm theoretically okay with, but I'm okay with it. If that's the situation, because there are three good options. Right now, I think it's that's the situation because there's no one option that Ross even trusts, you know. Uh, so, it, for a team that started promising and is still 500 and is not by any means lost touch with anything, there's a lot left to figure out. Um, but at least that's the situation. And again, they're not, you know, they could be 10 and is it 10 and 21 that the Cardinals just fell to? Yeah. So. Um, I mean, we we probably would have taken this uh, at the, on the eve of the season. You know, the Cubs 15 and 15. Oh, yeah. No Ellinger problem. looking real and wisdom looking like he's figured something out, maybe. Um, so we, we would have taken this. It's a little disappointing because it's been a rough week. Yeah, um, it's the it's just the shape of it that has been. And I don't even just mean like the sequence of wins and losses or the opponents, but the 
particular ways, you know, like you just said, like if you told us what certain individuals would be doing, we'd also want to believe they were a few games over 500. <laughs> True. <That's just> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that's also with Jameson Tyone had a few not that great outings and then hit the injured list. And it sounds like he'll be back if not tomorrow, then really soon. So there, it could all come together really fast too. Um, What's the uh, status of Gomes? They put him on the injured list. Oh, they did. Uh, the seven day concussion injured list, but they made it retroactive and they said symptoms are very mild. They're basically just, being extremely cautious because like any 35 year old catcher it's not the first time he's had his bell rung and so when you can afford to you just give them more days than than they you think they need um that can always change because concussions suck like that uh but that's what they're saying right now so hopefully that turns out to be the case and they can get him back soon because tucker barnhart's another Weak link in the chain, isn't he? It's not confidence-inspiring when he's at the plate or when he's behind it. Um, I thought Stroman was a little less than sharp tonight. And part of that to kind of feels like he works really well with Jan Gomes. Um, doesn't seem to mesh and, you know, I don't, I don't know that Barnhart knows his repertoire and the way he wants to sort of change things up as he turns over the lineup card all that stuff, not through a lack of studying or preparation, but he just doesn't have the same feel as Gomes does. So it's amazing what, what has happened with, with, uh, concussions. I mean, I've had my share <laughs> back in the day, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the seventies and eighties. And, um, I mean, back then you got your bell rung, you know, I'm using my finger quotes and bell rung and in a game on, on Friday or Saturday, and then you practice on Monday and play the next week. I mean, there's just no, there was no like, oh, well, we better keep an eye on him. Uh, you know, you yeah. stumble off the field. And, and I, I still, uh, I think that my football career is why I cannot pronounce the word croissant. Oh, wait. That was pretty good, Todd. Nailed it. Oh, oh. Nailed, Nailed it. it. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Episode 29. That's, yeah, I think that's our, we're going to go out right on that high note. <laughs> Uh, you just heard for the first time in about 40 years, Todd yeah, roughly pronounced croissant correctly. Although yeah, well, you didn't put that French flourish. I, I like to say croissant. Yeah. Right. Because Maria uh, actually studied French in school. And so she finds it extraordinarily obnoxious when I use my exquisite French accent. Uh, <laughs> it's not but, obnoxious at all. Well, you know, a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes I, I turn it up to 11 or 11. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is this is not a rebuild, even though another week like this and we're going to feel like it is a rebuild. Let's hope we don't have one. What's coming around. Plenty we're of, coming back. Plenty of cause to hope for that. You know, even on Thursday, they could salvage a split in this wash, uh, this Washington yep. series. That yep, would make sure. me feel a lot better. It would. Um, so what, let's see him do that. I think in we got steel on Friday, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Steel on All Friday right. for a revenge game against the Marlins at Wrigley, and roll from there. Steamroll the MHC before we record next. How about that? Yes. And Matt, before yeah. you do your your uh, suffix, um, a uh, quick shout out to three old friends, 
Uh, Harper uh, reached five times tonight. Wow. Uh, Baez got his first homer of the year, and he's been yes, looking he pretty good for weeks, actually. He's, he's, you know, he's picking it up. And then Marcelo Zuna was the worst offensive player ever until tonight. Yeah. Um, he was hitting like 120, and that's like playing all the games. Mm-hmm. And he hit two tonight and a single. One was a grand slam. So um, wow. it's good to see those those names, you know, pop up offensively. Yeah, some uh, some folks showing that they still got it in the tank. Just don't tell Jed Hoyer any of that because he will extrapolate from it that surely Eric Hosmer is going to turn it around. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought his name was Jerry. Not Jerry Hosmer. What's his name? Jerry uh, Hoyer. Hoyer. Jerry Hoyer. Jerry. Yeah. It's the same initials as Jeff Houston. Remember it that way. Yeah, that always helps me. I remember it. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta click through Jeff Houston, uh, John Hughes, Jed Hoyer. There it is. John Hughes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Subscribe to it, rate, review. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter at Not a Rebuild. I think next week maybe we'll try and answer some listener questions. There you um, go. I so like it. Get some of those into us. DJ should be back next week, and we'll be at full strength. Hopefully by then, the Cubs are also at full strength, which would yep. mean Matt Mervis and Christopher Morrell, or at least one of the two, maybe even get Jamison Tyone back in the rotation. Kyle Hendricks is not far away. Oh, yeah. really got even yeah. to talk about that tonight. Uh, but we will hit it next time. In the meantime, take care and go Cubs. And MHC, ha 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 ha. Bye bye.